praise the Lord, oh my soul. 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 Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'm praising the valley. Praising the mountain. I praise when I'm sure.
let us pray. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It's mine. 
morning in the name of Jesus. We are alive because of Jesus. We are alive because of his goodness. We are who we are because of him. Because of what he has done for us. The devil meant evil, but God has made it possible for you and I to see 2024. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. We lift up our voice, our lungs, our heart, our hand to say it is you, Jesus. You alone deserve to be praised. You alone deserve to be worshipped this morning. We thank you, Father, for your blessings upon our life, our family, our church, our leadership, oh God. Thank you for sustaining us, oh God. We bless you this morning. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are prayed. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So you have to be rejoiced because of what I'm going to tell you this morning. Assemblies of God organization and our local church have declared this week as a week of prayer. Hello. As a week of prayer. And the theme is be in consistency with prayer. Consistent in prayer. Scripture says that pray without what? Ceasing. It's like a breath, like breathing. The more you stop breathing, you die, right? Five minutes, you get a brain dead, right? So as Christians, that's why God wants us to continue praying. Because the moment you stop praying, you begin to die spiritually. So the local church and the AG body said, this should be a week of prayer. In your car, at home, wherever you are going, be in the spirit of prayer. Amen. And I believe that God who, who answered and hear prayer will make a difference in your life. Amen. All right, and this month is the month of uh, one of our subs, uh, USS Indiana. We are going to pray for them. Uh, I am very familiar with this, with, with this boat. When they came back from their last deplo- deployment, 
I flew to Rhoda, Spain, and rode with them back here to prepare them to meet their family, right? The boat has experienced a lot of good things. God has blessed the boat. They have a good leadership. In fact, they are the cop of the, the chief of the boat was the best chief of the boat, I think, the whole of US, US Navy. He went to Washington. Yeah, so there's the good things, right? To give God praise for that. Amen. So I want to pray for God to give, keep giving them the courage and the strength and the power to do what they are called to do for our nation and for ourselves. Amen. So let us pray, church. Father, in the mighty Jesus' name, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you for being our shepherd, our Lord, who never fail or disappoint. David said, I was young, but now I've grown. And I've never seen a righteous man that go about begging, Father, because you are faithful. We thank you for the sub USS Indiana. Thank you for their leadership, oh God. The strength you have given to them, the skill, the knowledge you have given to them to lead this submarine, my Lord, to, 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 for the task that you've assigned, my Lord. We thank you so much that you have given them victory, my Lord, over all the assignment in the mighty Jesus' name. Their large deployment, you were with them, my Lord. You brought them back home safely. They made their family members. There was no, no problem, no trouble was reported, Father. It is you, God, who did this. So we thank you for that in the mighty Jesus' name, Father. We also pray that, Lord, you continue to be with the boat. Bless every hand, bless every mind, bless every heart, bless every soul attached to this boat in the name of Jesus Christ, Father. And as they are God, they are positioned to do, my Lord, what you have God called them to do for this nation, my Lord. Give them what they may need, O Lord, uh, to be able to function as, O God, expected of them in the mighty Jesus' name. Bless them, O God, with riches. Bless them with favor. Bless them with, with divine healing. If anyone among them is sick, Father, touch them and heal them in the name of Jesus Christ, Father Lord. Give them victory, my God. Prepare them, my Lord, ahead of time in case of anything that may come, my Lord, God. You are God. You never leave nor disappoint us, O God, Father. I pray for their emotional strength. I pray for their physical strength. Those who are going through some challenges, O God, my Lord. Father, touch them, my Lord, and do extraordinary in their lives. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that, Lord, any disorganization, my God, in their marriages, O God, any troubles, O God, in their marriages, O God, any family problems, O God, Father, descend in your power and touch them. In the name of Jesus Christ, let there be a miracle, my God. Let there be a testament, my God. And Father, draw them in your presence. Draw them, my God, to your presence. In the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ and remind them of your love, your power, your strength, your courage, my Lord. It is not by their might, not by their power, but by the spirit of you, O God, Father. Establish them, my God, in your peace, my God. Establish them in your kingdom, in your in, in your presence, O God, so that they will testify to your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for this church, O God. We bless you for what you have done for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. All right, how about just one more shout of praise for him? Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Hey, if this is your first time at church today, we just want to welcome you, and we do that around here by honoring you, and we do that by clapping for you. So if it's your first time here, welcome. But of course, we don't want to just clap for you, right? We want to truly connect with you. And the easiest way for us to do that is for you to text the number that comes up on the screen. A small link will come back to you. It just takes a couple seconds to fill out. And then once you fill it out, just like that, shabam, we are connected. 
All right, and we have some awesome opportunities, so make sure that you guys have the Church Center app. If you don't have it, you can download it with that QR code that's on the seat back in front of you. But we have some great opportunities. And like Maxwell was saying, we are a praying church. We have consistency in our prayer and here at church. So make sure you guys take a look up at here. Get in on one of these prayer meetings. Make sure you guys make it a consistent part of your weekly and daily life. And then men's ministry, this Tuesday, they're meeting here. It's going to be awesome. So if you're a man, expect to see you there. Growth track, Pastor Brad's going to be talking more about that, but the growth track, it talks, this week, it starts growth track. So make sure you guys are signed up for something. For all the adults out there, we have an adult wellness social that's coming up this Friday, so make sure you guys register for that. Where? In the app, right. That's what we make sure we have enough food and everything. There's a ski trip coming up, so make sure you guys use the app for that. It's a ski and snowboard trip that's on January 27th up to Wachusett. And then guess what else is coming? It's that time of year again. It's cold out, so what happens when it's cold out? Chili cook-off. The chili cook-off is coming up. It's the 11th annual chili cook-off, and that's on Sunday, February 4th, so make sure you guys mark your calendar. And for all you chili cookers out there, make sure you're getting your recipes ready. More details to follow on that. And then the registration is open now for the Daniel Sight and Sound Truth. Remember, mark your calendars for that. It is on Friday, March 15th, and you can register for that in the app. And then the Men's Encounter is coming up in April. So if you guys have never been to an encounter, it's like two years of church packed into one weekend. Make sure you guys are signing up for that. Next up, Pastor Brad. Thanks, Chris. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for being here, braving the snow. All right, I guess that's what that is out there. And, and anyway, being a native New Englander, it's like, okay, whatever that was. But, uh, you know, but thank you. Thanks. For, for some of you, that was a little maybe trepidatious for you to come. Thanks for the effort. I appreciate that. And those of you that couldn't get here because you're far away or conditions are different, we miss you. But uh, we're glad that you're online with us today. Hallelujah. It's just, it's just great to have all of you here, and I look forward to, uh, if it's possible, I like to get out there by the cafe and, and um, meet you, and if I can get out there, I'll, I'll do that. And if I don't get out there, you can meet me over here too. Sometimes I don't get out there, but anyway, in March, in March, this church will celebrate its 35th anniversary. And uh, as, as, um, now we're doing something different this year. Uh, because there are people who have been here who want to come back. And so instead of celebrating in March, we're going to celebrate in August with a three-day homecoming. And it's going to be quite the thing. <laughs> okay? So uh, just kind of keep that in mind, 9, 10, and 11. But what we've done is, uh, I should say, you know, we've had Vast Lindsay to put together uh, a video that we're going to show like once a month. Uh, they're showing a different slice of our 35-year history. And this, these little videos will just show you some pictures through the years, and I'll focus on one particular area of church. And the very first one we're going to show you right now, it just shows the commitment of this church to mentoring uh, boys and girls for Jesus through our programs on Wednesday night that have run almost the entire time that this church has existed. Wow. They're high value to us. Yeah. And so let's take a look.
So we're going to show you every month, we'll show you a different snippet of 35 years. And of course, back when the church started, everybody was not walking around with a camera phone. So, but so if you've got pictures that go back a ways, we would love to have them. Make sure you get those to the office, a copy of them, so that we can use them in these upcoming things. Because there's, uh, I mean, I'm looking at that going, some of the kids that you saw up there are now married with their own kids. You know, so it's really, really just tremendous. We're, we're grateful for all that the Lord has done here. I want to tell you a couple of exciting things here, several exciting things, actually. We started back uh, right around the end of November with what I call the Finish Strong, and it really was, it was designed just to make sure that we were positioned financially to go into this new year. And basically what it was was just to bring us to, to budget what we'd already projected. And we set a goal to finish strong of $81,000. I think, okay, that was the goal. So did we make it? Let's find out. Did we make it? You did that. You guys are awesome. Thanks for being so generous and, and just gracious and faithful. You did that. So thank you for that. And so, I mean, that we were able to meet just, the church came in just above budget, and that's a, that's a big task. And so thank you. Thank you so much for that. I, I appreciate that. But there's something else that's around here that's very, very important, and that's missions. And, uh, and so in, in, in uh, 2022, what did we give to missions? We gave about $53,000 to missions in, in 2022. How did we do this year? Let's find out. Yeah. Now, that's not just because we're, you know, heavily invested in Ghana, West Africa, and what we're doing there. It's not because of that, but because just regular, just regular missions, just regular missions doubled. And um, that has a lot to do with so many of you. The Lord dropped this in my heart some time ago to be a one percenter. One per, to be a one percenter in the biker community means that you're kind of a, <clears throat> a bad biker. <laughs> That's what that means. <laughs> if you're a one percenter, you're glorying in your shame almost. You know, you're, you're an outlaw. You're a bad boy. You're a bad girl biker if you're a one percenter. So I'm going to flip that, and I'm going to use it for missions. And I've been challenging you to give one percent. Give ten percent to the Lord, one percent to missions. And many of you have done that. And because you've done that, we've gone from 20 missionaries to 43 missionaries. Yes. And we're going to be adding a lot more this year. Yes. Because you've been faithful. And so, I mean, it's really, it's really amazing. It is really amazing. And when you give it, we try to find the best way to get rid of it. <laughs> we invest it in the kingdom. We're very careful about that. But uh, the Lord is honoring us. You know, so that's a, that's a big deal. I mean, those are, I mean, those are two big deals, but here's another big deal. So, uh, some time ago, obviously the church has been growing, exciting. Uh, it has outgrown my ability as a solo pastor, a solo senior pastor. I have a great staff. I've got a tremendous staff here. Uh, and so, you know, we've wanted, we've been praying for an assistant pastor. And so, we, we made a decision, we've, and we've been talking about this for some time, for, for some time. And so the decision was made, although I can't hire him full-time because the Navy thinks it owns him, and because he's trying to do his best, do his best, to position himself when he's 
to, to become a Navy chaplain, which I applaud. There's still a little bit of bandwidth, and we've talked about this a long time. So today, Chris, come join me. Chris is officially the assistant pastor, officially. be seated. I guess you like that decision. <laughs> I, I, kind of, I guess I like that. But I didn't really, I mean, Chris, I'm going to give you a chance to, to respond and, and share something here. We didn't really talk about that part, but but uh, we talked a lot about this because I know that uh, not a lot of bandwidth in his, in his life, but he assured me and I had him, he and Nicole talk about this and talk about it thoroughly. And, be coming on for 10 to 12 hours a week. That's enough just to, and what will happen is that, um, please understand something, I would hire him full time if I could, but I can't. I can't do that. So Chris is going to serve in this role. Uh, eventually there will be a full time uh, assistant pastor. Whenever that, I don't know when that will be. We've looked for almost three years. And so, um, so uh, I said, well, this is the best guy I know. And I would have hired him a long time ago, um, but um, you know, but we just couldn't figure out how to make it all work. We finally figured it out, and so Chris, um, you know, he's he's proven himself faithful to you, yes. Yes. over and over and over and over and over. But now, but now, but now, not only is he going to have the official title, and you can call him Pastor Chris if you want, or Chris, would, you know, if you want to do that. You'll have that title, and the church is going to begin to pay him financially for his time. And you've made that possible. So you've made that possible. You've done that. So, Chris, maybe you'd like to respond. Well, I wasn't really prepared to say anything today. (laughs) I I know. Forgive me for that. but I even wore a jacket. (laughs) You can thank my wife. She helped me pick it out because clothing is not my thing. Um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really prepare anything to say because I didn't know he was going to hand me the microphone, although I should have thought about that. But, you know, I, I'm humbled, really, by all of your support throughout the years as you kind of watched me grow and I, as I've learned to preach better and just been watching me on my, on my journey that I'm on. And that we're all on this journey together, really, and we're all here to help one another and we all build each other up. We all edify one another, you know. I'm just like you, right? A person just like you. Put my pants on just like you guys. So, thank you, and I, you know, I, I just aim to try and be the best person I can be and do it all for the Lord and be the same person up here that I am at home, and that doesn't always happen the, the right way. But for my family, I wouldn't be up here without them because they are my biggest supporters, so give my wife, Nicole, my beautiful wife, Nicole, a round of applause because she really helps me to get the woman's perspective often because I'm a guy, and so she really is my rock. And just like all of you, everyone struggles, and we all do it together, and we all need one another. 
Amen. to be around each other as a church. Amen. To succeed and to do it all for him. Amen. And as long as we do it with a pure heart, let's keep doing it. Thank you, guys. Amen. So, so I, I want to I ask, ask Pastor Debbie. Maxwell, I want you to come to. I want our deacons that are, that are here today. I want you to come. Chris's family, they can come. Just come all onto the platform. I want to just pray. And I want you to join us in praying. And uh, if you just come, stand with Chris. This is, is significant in so many ways. And I, the, the only thing I don't like about this is that I get such a small piece of him. <laughs> you know, that's the thing I don't like. But uh, I'll put up with it for now. And, uh, but, you know, such a great thing. He wants to finish his military career strong and go right from that into chaplaincy. Uh, that's a great thing. And still he wants to be available to serve this church. And it's a great thing. Amen? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great, great thing. And so let's pray together. Let's, let's, pray, let's pray together here. Father, thank you. Lord, uh, this journey that Chris has been on, it's been, it's been fun to watch. It's been very challenging and very demanding. And yet he's never relented, Lord, in serving God, his country through the Navy, effectively as he possibly could. God, he's never relented in God and, and, and doing the, the massive amount of work he has to do to prepare for the future. And Lord, he's balanced out with caring for his family. And Lord, he's balanced that with serving this community of believers. And we're grateful for it all. And so God, you directed this to happen. You made it very clear to me and to our board that this was supposed to be the case. And so we embrace it. We say thank you for Chris and his family. We pray that you give him grace and strength and ability. And God, take all the things that he's learning, God, that are going to benefit us. They're going to, all the great things he's learning, Lord, are going to be a blessing to this church. And God, as he puts that into play, may we be healthier and stronger and better and more effective for you. Just, and God, thank you for your people that have made this possible financially. And God, we're grateful for that. Just bless him in every way we pray and his family. Lord, this is, it's, it's somewhat the same, but very different. This new phase. And so give them grace, we pray, through the authority of Jesus' name. Amen, friends? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. So great. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's a great thing, isn't it? It's a great thing. Chris not only has lots of experience in the United States military, but being a chief and being a corpsman, uh, you know, brings so much of that. That's a, of an, you know, he really, you know what he does for me? He helps interpret the Navy to me. I'm a civilian, have always been a civilian. Okay? And I say to him, like, help me understand this. <laughs> you know? Why is this like this? And I cannot tell you the, the advantage that this church had through two plus years of COVID because we had him right here with us. Okay? I mean, such, I mean it was such a, a help to us through all the craziness of that. Hallelujah. And you know what? 
I could tell you more, but that's the time. That's the, that's the end of the, you know, I, there's more to tell you about what God is doing around here, you know. And so I just want to challenge you. I just want to challenge you. Let's be, let's be faithful to honor the Lord with tithes and offerings. Amen? Amen? And support missions. It's a win-win. The kingdom expands and the blessing upon your life expands. Lord, thank you for the, all that you're doing around here. May you be honored with our giving right now. We thank you, Lord, so much. We thank you so much, God, for all that's happened this past year. And we know you're not done. Just because the calendar changed, you didn't. And you've got lots more for this church. And we're thankful for that. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in tithes and offerings, supporting missionaries. We bless you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going, to send, uh, I'm going to send our young people. They can slip out of here right now. Of our middle schoolers, you guys are heading out of here. Uh, it says all youth to the Fellowship Hall. But um, any, anyway, I, let me just say this before I share the word with you this morning. Um, and that is, I had a conversation this week, a couple of conversations with a guy whose title is the Director of, of Missions, and he oversees a whole bunch of missionaries that this church relates to um, and uh, works with and prays for. He, uh, his job is to help them, facilitate them, help pastors, you know, become more missions-minded. He made this statement to me. He said, among the 180 or so churches, AG churches across Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, he said, he said our healthiest churches are the missions-minded churches. Did you hear that? Yep. The healthiest churches among the 180 are the ones who are missions-minded, focused on missions. Only makes sense, doesn't it? Only makes sense. You know, only, only makes sense. So let me, um, let me jump in here this morning and uh, share what God's put upon my heart, you know, for, for us today. And uh, anyway, what a, what a great day. I'm so glad you... You didn't miss it, you know. That had to be the question on their minds that day. It had to be. I mean, as they stood there listening to this guy that had come from quite a distance, as they listened to what was in his heart to do, they must have said, how Will we do it? How is that going to possibly happen? I mean, you have to understand the, set, the, the setting and the situation. It had been 150 years since Nebuchadnezzar had the great Babylonian general had come in and just smashed the city of Jerusalem to pieces, tore down its walls that it surrounded and provided its defense system, burned its gates, carried many of his people away into exile. Young men like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Shadrach, Bendigo. Hauled them off to serve foreign gods in a foreign land. That had been 150 years since that had taken place. That's true. It's true. About 80 years before Nehemiah stands up on that day, about 70,000 of them had, re- had made the long trek from what was Babylon, now Persia. The same place, as a matter of fact, most likely that the wise men came from. Almost the same place. 
And they made a, a 70,000 or so, made a long trek all the way back, hundreds of miles, to rebuild their city, to rebuild their land, to rebuild the temple. It had been 80 years. Ezra had somehow had been able to build the temple, but nothing else. Everything else was in ruins. It was a horrific mess. Horrific mess. Attempts had been made to rebuild it, but they'd all faltered, failed, run out of time and energy, and people must have just felt like this task is insurmountable. It'll never happen. There's just no way. And to make it all worse, those walls around the city provided not only the city dwellers, but people from the outside a system to, per- to find protection, a system of defense. I tell people, what would you feel like as an American today, if I was to tell you that the complete American military was com- totally and completely in ruins and dysfunctional, was able to provide nothing, you would feel somewhat fearful, wouldn't you? Yes. It, that's what they lived in. And they saw no option. And they saw no option. The story of Nehemiah has had a profound effect upon me and upon you, and I'll tell you how. But it's the story of how the God takes one man and puts something in his heart. How he goes and he shares it with a group of people. And they respond. And they do it. And they do it at unheard of speed. That's the story of Nehemiah. As you read it. If you've never read it, you ought to read it. If you have read it, you ought to read it again. I mean, the story has always intrigued me. It's always intrigued me. And I mean, obviously, I've spoken from this book many times in these 35 years. Many times. And let me tell you why. 40 years ago, it's funny, my father used to say 40 years ago. I thought, how can anybody think about 40 years ago? I can do it. I can think 50 years ago. (laughs) Anyway, 40 years ago, I had a different role. I would travel around Connecticut, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, speaking in various AG churches. And I would share the message from Nehemiah many times about the principles that Nehemiah understood and put into practice that would build a great church from what he did with the walls. I did not know that God was setting me up. I had no clue he was setting me up. I had no idea, no understanding until I began to put it together that all that I had learned by studying the leadership of Nehemiah that he was going to ask me to put into play in rebuilding the walls of a church that used to exist in this town but met horrible wreckage and we had to start over. I didn't know that. But I grabbed the principles of Nehemiah and put them into play and have continually put them into play and have never strayed from them to make sure that seaport is what God wants it to be. Those are principles that reside in my heart, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna share this message a little differently than I have done in the past. And I hope that you'll take a, take a hold of them because they're really simple principles that if you and I will take a hold of, you and I can continue to do a great thing for God here in this place called Seaport, and you can do something great for God yourself and whatever he calls you to do because you don't really fully know maybe yet, just yet, how he's going to use you. I didn't. I didn't. It's chapter one of Nehemiah's memoirs, and that's really what those 13 chapters are. 
You know, we see a man who's deeply concerned about his people, about five or 600 miles away from him. He was well acquainted with the, the history of, of his people, obviously. You know, he knew what had happened there. And he, he wasn't quite sure what the current situation is, but he was about to find out. And although these are his memoirs, he never makes a story really about him. But we get enough of a glimpse into who he is to understand what kind of a guy he really was. And it's very interesting to me, and the very first thing I want to sh- share with you is what God so often does in Scripture. Before God gets ready to do something great, he finds a great person. And that's you. Amen. He finds you. He finds one person that will say yes to him. He finds one person who says, I'm in, Lord. I'm in. And that's who God found in Nehemiah. And it's interesting as you begin to look, and I, can't, I don't have the time to do a whole personality profile on this guy. It is very, he's very interesting to me. There's just a few simple insights I want to give to you about who this guy is based upon how he handles himself and how he reacts and what he does. If you're a leader, you ought to read Nehemiah. It's filled with leadership principles, far more than what I can give you possibly today. Nehemiah, it's interesting. As his book opens, we, we see him with a burden in his heart. We see him in, in anticipation waiting for Hananiah and some, and, and some other trusted men to return and bring a report about what's going on. And I mean, I mean he, he, they come in, they bring the report, and the report is even worse than what Nehemiah had anticipated. The city is still in terrible shape even 150 years later. The people are demoralized. The once huge proud wooden gates are still burned laying in ash heaps 150 years later. It's terrible. It's interesting to me, this is a side note, Nehemiah doesn't say much of anything about what God put into his heart until he had the facts about what the situation was. With facts in hand, with facts in hand, then, he began to move forward. You ought to listen. I'm not going to go read huge pieces of of the story. You You can do that. But one of the very first things that you're going to notice about this guy is this. As soon as he hears this report, what's his reaction? His reaction is not, oh, that's terrible. Somebody should have done something about that. I wonder if anybody's going to, does anybody even care about this? That was not his reaction. His reaction, he said, I prayed, I fasted, I wept, I mourned for several days. It so gripped him. He could see nothing else. He was a passionate man. If there's one thing I've learned in all these decades that I've walked with the Lord, there's a huge difference between a passionate man than a skilled man or an educated man. The passionate man will make it happen one way or another. He may lack skill. He may lack information. He may lack all kinds of things. But if he's passionate to do the will of God, he's got a great chance of making it happen. Peter Drucker, the famous management guru of of a former year, he studied management. He was not a Christian. He studied studied management thoroughly uh, toward the end of his life. He said after 50 years of studying management, I'm a little embarrassed to say, 
But what it comes down, what separates the truly successful from the unsuccessful is one word. It's passion. If you don't have passion for, the part, for some part of the, the work of God, then you're not in the will of God. You're not walking with the Lord. Because if you're walking with the Lord, you're going to have passion for some part of the, of the will of God. If you're just apathetic, I guess I should have told you, put your seatbelt on. <laughs> now I told you. Light just went on. God starts with one person. A person is passionate. Passionate. But notice what he does. He doesn't immediately try to put a committee together. He prays. He mourns. He fasts. He weeps. You see, the man, the woman that God uses is prayerful. Nehemiah, all through his book, you see him praying shooting up prayers. You see him praying for the, the strength of the workers. You see him praying for the people who will be protected from the attacks of the evil one. You, pray, you see him praying for boldness to do the will of God. You see him praying for wisdom to handle the innumerable decisions and difficulties that he faces. He's a prayerful man. He's prayerful. But it's interesting that he was not a project manager. He was not a construction trades guy. What did he really know about rebuilding walls around a city? That was not his world at all. Matter of fact, you know what his job was? He says at the end of chapter 1, he says, I was cupbearer to the king. That was just his way of saying. Let me tell you what he was saying there. He was saying the cupbearer had a very responsible job. His job, how would you like to have this job? Would you like to have this job? Your job was to taste anything that the king was going to eat or drink to make sure it wasn't tainted with poison. That's your job. And the king would look at you to see how you're feeling. See if you're dying. I would like that job. That was his job. He was a trusted guy. Tested and trusted. God uses people that he can trust. That have been tested. And even though he wasn't quite qualified to do the job. He was in so many other ways because he was prayerful, he was passionate, he was trusted. But even more than that, all through the rebuilding process, you see this guy is characterized. I mean, he is focused. He has grit. He is resilient. Those are all topics that today make people very, very, very wealthy when they do, and by doing TED Talks. They talk about those things as amazing leadership attributes. And I want to go, man, you guys are so slow. Catch up. What made Nehemiah, he could have had his own TED Talk because he knew the power of grit hanging in there. When it was tough. If you're ever going to do something for God, you better have grit. You better have resiliency. Just before COVID, I went to a, 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 a prayer breakfast on the base. And they got up, a couple of people from the base, I guess the base psychologist or, and somebody else, and they talked about the importance of resilience in the young men and the young women of the Navy and of their great concern that they have resilience because they saw that that was a huge struggle. This was 2020, early 2020, just before COVID. 
Very great concern. And understandably so. Understandably so. Understand, if you're going to do something for God, he's looking for you to have a dependency upon him that produces grit and resiliency because the challenges of what God calls you, when God calls you to do something, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Most likely, it means it's going to be challenging. Amen? Amen. Amen. But it was more than just being focused and resilient. You know, I mean, he was not a quitter. He was not a quitter by any stretch of the matter. He could have quit. He could have quit. I'll just be very candid with you. It's, I, love, I, love, I love any kind of person. I really do. But I really struggle to respect quitters. It's just when people quit just because it's not easy. They don't want to do it anymore. That's a problem for me. I don't respect quitters. My father used to say, anybody can quit. Don't be that person. And there's, and there's appropriate times, and there's legitimate times to stop and, and, and to quit and to do something. There are legitimate, I understand that. But you know what? Nehemiah was not a quitter by any stretch of the imagination just because it was challenging, just because it was tough. No. This guy kept going, but you know, it's interesting of something about him. He was a guy who found himself in the king's court, in the king's palace. It's interesting. Jewish guy there. He recognizes that God put him in that place and gave him the connections that he could leverage those connections for the work of God. You realize that when God puts you in a place, he's equipping you, he's training you, he's helping you, he's helping you to build connections that you can utilize for his work and his glory and his honor. And he would use that to go to the king and ask the king for all kinds of resources and finances and protection in order to build the walls. And Nehemiah knew how to do that. What, you say, Pastor Brad, where are you going with all of this? What I'm t- trying to tell you is this. God always starts with one man, with one woman. That's where he starts. He starts by putting something deep into your heart. And then he asks you to step forward into it, knowing it's going to be challenging. Are you with me? Knowing it's going to be challenging. Sorry. If you came for the one, two, three steps to your best life now message, it's not today. (laughs) Sorry. Not really. (laughs) You know what? And as chapter two opens, I don't have the time to develop this fully, and you can read it yourself. Maybe one day I should write about this because it's impacted my life in this church so much. But as chapter 2 opens, we see him there. It could be months or even years later. We don't even know for sure. He's finally there on site. He's there with resources. He's got the people. You know, he, it, but he does something before he gathers the people together. He goes and he, and he looks firsthand himself at what, the, what is going on there and the condition. And it's basically he's saying, this is worse than what I thought terrible condition. He pulls the people together not long after that and tells them what God had put in his heart to do and the resources that he had. And they say, 
And, and one of the great pivotal moments of Nehemiah, the people arise and say, we will arise and build. And off they go into a project that was anything but easy, rebuilding those walls. They were wrecked. They were destroyed, completely destroyed. It was going to be a lot of hard work. You see, the people rose to the challenge. You know, God calls you, calls me to step into something. But then what he'll do is this. He'll call people to come around you and to carry out, not your vision, but the vision he's put in your heart. That's what he'll do. That's what he did here at Seaport. And it's continually done. And it's been amazing to me how God, I have watched many, many times as God has brought people in from other places who basically who have said, you know what, we're going to further what God is doing here. And I've been very grateful for so many over these 35 years that have come in here and supported this work and made this place so much better than it was. I am so grateful for them. It's amazing what some, what some folks have done. Sometimes it's only been for a couple of years. Other times it's been for decades. But it's interesting. You have to understand what these people, when they said we will arise and build, what they were actually saying. They were saying we are willing to do the hard work and it's going to be tough. They were saying we are willing to put ourselves in harm's way because the enemies that surrounded them didn't want that to happen. And they would do everything that they could to oppose it. More on that in a moment. They were signing up for long hours of hard work, dangerous work, that would cause some of them to have to leave their jobs, their farms, at great cost to themselves. But they said, we will do it. We'll do it. And they did it. They did it. Even under all kinds of threat. And Nehemiah in chapter 4, in another pivotal moment, says this. And the wall was built in 52 days to half its height. Unprecedented speed to half its height because the people had a mind to work. Not everybody, but most everybody. They had thrown their frustrations, their disappointments, maybe even their frustration with God out the window and said, we will do this. We will do this. Maybe they had to confront their apathy and say, you know what? I can't sit back anymore. I got to do this. Maybe they had to confront their excuses and said, well, I'll let somebody else do it. I'm too busy. Or, you know, I, I don't really have time for that. Or maybe they had to throw all that to the wind and say, you know what? I got to do this. Maybe they did. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. You know? Maybe they had to just say, you know what? The most important thing right now is to make this happen. And it was important. Extremely important. Building that wall. It didn't look fancy. It didn't look glamorous. It didn't look like anybody was going to get a whole bunch of accolades and attaboys and all the rest because of it. Although, notice something. If you want to, here's just a little aside. Nehemiah was a careful record keeper, and he kept track of who built what where. 
God's keeping track of who's building what where. He knows. Hmm. Let me talk to you. As I've done so many times, what God has put into my heart, and I've said this, and I don't say it because it sounds like hype. I say it because it's true, because I've seen it. I've seen the future of Seaport. I don't know if I'll be here or live long enough to see it come to pass. I, don't, I have no idea. But I've seen the future of this church, and it is flat out amazing. Flat out amazing. I don't even believe it's here on this property. At least not where I, what I saw. This is what God put in my heart. And some of you heard me say this, and this is exactly what the Lord said to me. Lord said to me, it is my will for Seaport to be 1,200 people. I heard that. My reaction was first silence. My second reaction was, just how do you think I'm going to do that? (laughs) I've said for 35 years, I've done everything I know to do. I can't do it. I cannot do it. But you can. How he'll do it? I don't know. All I'm doing, this is my commitment to you as your pastor. Every day I pray and I say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. This church is going to grow to 1,200. When? How? I don't know. But please understand something. No, it's not about numbers. No, it's, it's not about counting numbers. No, it's, it's, it's not that. Although God likes numbers so much, he named a whole book of the Bible that. You know? But understand something. We count numbers because numbers are people, and people count. In a town of almost 40,000 people, there's approximately 200, 250, 300 that attend this church. Typical Sunday morning attendance is around 200 here. You put all the churches in Groton together, I doubt, I doubt seriously there's more than 3,000 people that go to church in Groton on any given Sunday out of 38,000. That doesn't include all the people around. Do you think God just says, to hell with all of you? I don't care about any of you. Literally to hell. Do you think he says that about those 38,000 people? No. No. He knows them by name. And loves them. Just being transparent with you. Sometimes I drive around this town. Please understand what I'm about to say to you. I drive by people and I wonder about their soul. And some days I drive around this town. And I go, God, forgive me. Help me. 35 years I've been here. And yet the vast majority are still unsaved. It's not all my responsibility. I know that. I get that. But he cares about them, every one. <clears throat> Say 1,200. That was amazing. But it's still not about who comes. It's about who's lost. 
Lord said to me, well, let me jump ahead here. This church was started 35 years ago to be a home away from home for our military and to reach locals like me, born and raised here. Reach locals. And I love both groups passionately. Passionately. And my heart is still to see all of you that are military, whenever you move, I hope that you see yourself as a missionary at government expense. Lord, the second thing the Lord said to me, and I'm not going to finish this message, which I was afraid I wasn't going to, but oh well. Second thing the Lord put into my heart, and I, I when he when he said these things to me, I was I, I was stunned. I knew it was not my plan. It is my will for Seaport to give two hundred thousand dollars annually to missions. He said that to me some months ago, and I said, just 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 hello. <laughs> just hello. And this year we gave 107,000. Doubled it in one year. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I bet you, I bet you, that in the years ahead, I bet you that some of you, when you get to heaven, and I don't bet you, I know it, when you get there, you're going to meet a person, and they might say something like this to you. Hey, did you go to a church called Seaport? Yeah. Well, it was your church that gave the money so that I could get health care when I had no options. And that health care saved my life. And I met Jesus and I'm in heaven today because of you. I bet you you'll meet him in heaven. Those 2,800 boys and girls, I bet you today some of them are alive that would have been, would be dead otherwise if this church hadn't stepped in and helped Gifty and Maxwell with his gospel kids vision. There's so much more, so much more. Lord told me set the budget every... See, we have an unusual approach here at setting the budget. You just have to understand, it's bizarre. I don't tell other people necessarily to do this, other pastor friends. We set the budget. This is how the board sets the budget for the year. I pray. The Lord gives me a number. We set it at that. <laughs> Unorthodox, but it works. This year it was 13000 We're moving it to 15000 just trusting the Lord. That's a big jump. It's a big jump. But you know what that means, right? You know what that means, right? That means that God's going to be blessing you. Yes. That, that's what that means. God's going to be blessing you, and I pray for that. God's going to be blessing you. God's going to be helping you. Those of you, those of you that have been faithful with tithes and offerings, God's going to honor his word to you and bless you. And those of you that you know, are, are, the need to learn that, you, as you learn that, you're going to grow in it. It's going to be amazing to you, you know? But I'm going to... Tech guys, I'm just going to kind of crush the rest of this, this, this message down a little bit.
sure it has a lot to do with money, but it, that's such a small part of it, actually. What really has a lot to do with it. If this church is going to be what God wants it to be, you'll have to notice something. In the story of Nehemiah, everybody got involved. There was only a small handful that refused to because they, they thought of themselves as too good to be involved. And they get called out by Nehemiah for, for that. But everybody was involved. Seaport does have a high percentage of people involved, and I'm proud of that. But there's a lot more room here for involvement. And part of, and part of what, if, we're, if this church is going to grow to become what God wants, not what Brad Whipple wants, who cares what I want? I, it's a matter of what God wants. If this church is going to grow and become what God wants, it means that you and I have to be prepared to serve, to grow, to lead. And that's what the growth track is about. The growth track isn't just something that we're doing. It's about preparing you to step forward to become what God needs you to be in order to advance his kingdom. That's what it's about. That's why Andy is helping you get a foundation of your faith to belong and helping you to learn how to reach out to people. And it's amazing what God is doing with that team. It's just amazing what's happening there. I mean, it's, and that's why that, you know, we've designed this course that Adam is teaching, and a lot of you have signed up for it, good, good for you, that you're going to go to that class and you're going to learn how to really understand and, 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 and grow in, in your relationship with the Word of God. Hallelujah. You know? And then, and then if, if you're not involved in serving, you've not been through Engage, you're not a member, that's, that's really, those are just just platforms or ways to step further into growing and furthering your relationship. But Chris is going to help you with that. And if you've been through all those kinds of things and you're a member, you're going to come into my class. I'm going to teach you how to lead. And guess what? Nehemiah will probably be front and center. And that I'm going to help you to understand how to lead effectively in the work of God. These things are designed to help you take, you can start with one and move right through them. They're going to change every quarter. I encourage you to be part of them. Please sign up today so that we know. I was a little, I was a little disappointed when I saw 23 of you signed up. 23, 23. I said 23, 23, 23. Wow. We've got some work to do here. It might be time to pull your app out and sign up right now. Here's the last point I'm going to give you. I'm going to do this quickly. If you look carefully into the story of Nehemiah, I saw this when I started Seaport. Seaport started in a prayer meeting. I wanted it encoded into the DNA of this church that prayer was a high value. And it's remained there. It's remained there. See, there was a commitment to pray. You see him praying all the way through this. And I don't, because time is gone, and I'm going to wrap up here in just a few moments. It's amazing all the things that he prays for, and God answers them and gives him the grace and the strength. And prayer is critical to Seaport Community Church. It always, always has been. You know, I think what I'm going to do, um, Al, Dan, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump, all, I'm going to jump in my notes all the way over, like I said, on page, to page 6. I asked myself this question and tried to come up with a good answer to this question. What is the difference between a church that highly values and practices prayer and one where you can never find a prayer room or a prayer meeting? You can go to a lot of churches and they're phenomenal, but prayer is like almost hidden. You almost never see it. I'm not saying it's not there. It may not be there. I don't know. 
But one thing I've discovered about praying churches is this. This is not only true of Seaport. This is true of any church that values prayer. Some are large, some are small. One of the largest churches, I think the largest church in the world is known for his prayer. And that's Yoido Full Gospel Central Church in Seoul, Korea. Been there twice. Sat in an all-night prayer meeting with thousands of Koreans. Sat in Olympic Stadium, Seoul, Korea, with a, not one spare seat, 107,000 people there to pray. It was mind-blowing. Been to, been to International Mountain of Prayer and Fasting, just a short distance from the DMZ. You can see the DMZ from there. Walked into the chapel there one morning. I was on jet lag. Walked in about 6 a.m., 6.30, into the chapel at Prayer and Fasting Mountain. The chapel seats 10,000. The chapel. I noticed that there was a lot of people on, on like mats. That they would be, it would be like they were right here. This is a huge amphitheater kind of a thing. And it was a large open area. And it was almost filled with people. On like bed rolls. And I, so I finally got a hold of somebody and got through the Korean and whatever else. And, discovered, and I said, Who, what's going on down there? And they said, well, those people are waiting for the service. It's 6 o'clock in the morning? And... Um, he went on to say, yes, sometimes these are whole families, whole families. Service I would discover would start I mean, later that morning, but some of them would come and they would spend sometimes a week praying and fasting for some particular need in the church, in their homes, in their lives. I just stumbled out of that. I didn't know what to think about that. It was 1998. I'll never forget it. Never forget it. That church has impacted the world. See, praying church is spiritual power and energy. You can go to a lot of churches and everything looks great, but you get, there's no sense of the presence of God. You can come to a church that's a little bit more humble, like Seaport. You feel something. You know what that is? That's the power of the presence of God. That will do more in your life than any well-manicured and programmed church service ever will. And believe me, I like well-programmed services. Praying churches are different because there's a greater sense of togetherness and unity. When you pray together, you get closer. Churches that pray are better at handling problems because they see God as their hope and their solution that will help them, it will take them through it. They're more effective at reaching out because they, see, they have a burden for the loss. They're concerned about other people. They're not concerned just about themselves or clicking off the box. They're concerned about what's, what's going on and how to reach out. Churches that often don't, that, that don't pray, are often just concerned about doing good works without really mixing the gospel with it. Churches that are effective in praying are churches that rely upon God because they see God as their source, not themselves. And churches that pray 
or churches that are better at making wise choices because they're concerned about honoring God no matter what, and they focus on getting spiritual wisdom and insight and not just depending upon themselves. The guy that I'm currently, I'm taking this course, and the, the author of the course said he's worked with thousands of churches to help them, some of them that are near death, come back to life. And he made this statement. He said, I've never seen any church that was, near, that was dying or, near, or nearing death that came back to life that didn't do it without a prayer movement. Amen. Amen. As I wrap this up, band, you guys can come back. I didn't cover everything I needed to cover, and that's okay. It's really okay. I didn't think it was going to anyway. In the end, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls around the city. He faced innumerable difficulties and um, the, the things that that guy fought through and struggled through, but he got it done for the glory of God. You can see his handiwork still there in the walls of Jerusalem and you go there. You still see it. Still see it. 2,500 years later. But you know what the great story of Nehemiah is? This is not about rebuilding walls, but it's about reestablishing the reputation of God in that area. The mighty God proved that he could take his people and restore his work. And you say, what, is, what do walls have to do with anything? Well, let me tell you, it's not about walls. But look around this community. How many people, the walls of their lives are broken down, the gates have been burned with fire, and they're wrecked, and they're ruined, and they're trashed, and they're destroyed. And they need a church that will come beside them and say, let's rebuild. Let's see your life become what God wants it to be. Amen? That's what it's about. In the end, Nehemiah accomplished the work. But more than that, he's taught thousands, if not millions of Christians through the years that you can hear the voice of God arise to that occasion and do his work and something amazing can happen. Amen. And today as we close, today as we close, I just, I want three things from you. We're going to sing this song available. I want you to be STP with me. How about that? Some of you, that's an engine oil additive for some of you. I want you to serve this year with passion, vigor, diligence, and skill. Get involved in the growth track. Get involved in one of these things and begin to really grow. Throw off any excuse that you've been offering and step in. Can we do that? Yes, we can do that. Yes. I need, you know, I want to see you tithe, not just because of, of the money part. That's really, it's not about that, really. It's about setting yourself up so that God can bless and honor your life and that you can invest in something. And the weird thing about tithing is this, that 90% goes farther than 100. It's just weird how that works. But more than that, more than that, I want to challenge you this year to pray. To pray like you've never prayed. 
Ed and I talked last night, Edgeline and I, he's down in, down south, couldn't get back because of the weather. He's going to lead an online half-hour prayer meeting tomorrow night, and you'll get a link on that tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, and then Tuesday night at 7 o'clock for half an hour. This is a week of prayer. We're going to be publishing a, um, you know, a focus every, every day for you to pray about. Of course, there's prayer meetings at 6 o'clock on Wednesday morning. There always is. Thursday night, there's prayer. You know, there's always Saturday night prayer. There's always Sunday morning prayer. There's lots of opportunities. Seaport almost always has its own week of prayer going. Most churches have maybe once a week or once a month, they'll have a once a month prayer meeting. Seaport, I'm like, gosh, you know, we got five meetings a week or something. I want you to stand with me right now. And I'm asking you, I'm, I'm asking you to make a commitment in your heart. I'm not asking you to sign up for something. I'm not do, asking you to do anything. I'm asking you in your heart to make a commitment that says, you know what, this year, this year, I'm going to serve. This year, you know, I'm going to give. This year, I'm going to pray. Doesn't sound overly hard, does it? But it's not. I'm not asking you to show up here every day and move rocks. Not yet, anyway. Not yet. Who knows? Can we do this? Yes, we can. We've got places to serve all around this church. Everybody needs to be involved. Everybody at their part of the wall. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I pray that you'd help every single one of us as we close this service. God, help us to make a commitment that, that lodges in our hearts. God, that we're going to serve you wholeheartedly. God, that we're going to give. That we're going to pray and pray and seek your face and see you do great and mighty things in our lives, in our church, in our community. And God, we're going to rebuild the walls in the lives of people whose lives are broken, busted, burned, trashed, and in ruins. Thanks, Lord. I wasn't sure how I was going to close the service, and this is how I'm going to close it. I'm going to ask you, if, that's, if that has really resonated in your heart, I'm going to ask you, as we've done this a couple of times recently, I'm not going to ask the team to come up and stand across the front here. I'm going to ask you to come stand. We're going to sing this song, Available. And I'm going to ask our ministry team, they all have tags, They'll come behind you and they'll just put their hand lightly on your shoulder and pray for you. That's all they're going to do today. We're going to sing this song. But if this message really resonated with you, I want you to step forward as we sing this song and then we're going to close. And you'll go on your way. Maybe for round two of the snowstorm. I don't know, whatever. But some of us have got a leadership meeting. We'll be attending. But let's sing this. And as we sing it, come on, stand across the front and we're going to close this way. Come on.
sing it with me, would you? Counting on your grace again Less of me and more of you I just want to see from here in just a moment 
I'm going to pray a prayer of dismissal. You're free to linger if you'd like. At 1145, uh, all of you that have been invited to Seaport Advanced Leadership Training or SALT, what we call SALT. Some important things to share with you there. I'm going to ask you to just start going in there as soon as you can. and Food's ready and just consider it blessed and just participate. And at 1145, we'll kind of get things more formally going. But you can go in and start at any time if you've been invited to this meeting, leadership meeting. Father God, thank you for this time that we've had this morning. Thank you, Lord, for all those who braved the crazy weather and came. I so appreciate that. And Lord, may, may your hand be upon us. And Lord, help us to make a commitment and stick with it this year and just really, God, serve you with all of our heart, honor you with our finances, and pray, and learn to pray, and learn to pray, and be consistent. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, friends. Have a wonderful Sunday. Those of you going to Salt, I'll see you in a minute. Anyway, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Growth Track starts Wednesday night.